The Cowboys had given up 41 points in their first four games. They allow 42 to the 49ers last night. Welcome. If you're just joining us here on 49ers Wake Up, it's Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger. Good morning to you and yours. If you're a 49er fan, uh, the sun is out shining. The birds are chirping and you are watching 49ers Wake Up brought to you by Palmetto Superfoods. Get yourself an absolutely delicious and good for you acai bowl. Use promo code DBLK15, Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, 15, for 15% off this delicious, sexy-looking beast right here, the behemoth. I mean, this is just a monster from Palmetto Superfoods. That's my favorite layer right there, Larry, the dragon fruit. I love the dragon fruit. They got the. This is they've always. Old, they've always said that about you. There's a guy who likes dragon fruit. They say is Damon. There goes, goes that down. dragon fruit loving Damon Bruce. That sob. Uh, <laughs> on the top. Uh, all kinds of just delicious, crunchy granola. You got strawberries. You got blueberries. I'll tip it a little bit over. But, oh, I mean, awesome. it's just absolutely delicious. It's healthy. It's good for you, and you will like it. Try it once. And you'll be sold. Uh, That's all Larry you got to do. We're not. We're not. We're not asking you to sign a five-year deal. Right. Just, just go into a go into a Palmetto Superfoods, and order an Aussie bowl. the The basic one that we got last week will, will is a great starter, but eventually, you it's fully and totally customizable. Um, and just come back and tell us what you think. Come Start back and tell bay. us what you think. Start with the Bay. That's the entry point. And there are locations all around the Bay Area. There are more locations coming. Uh, so all, all all the location needs are going across the bottom scroll here. And and welcome again. It's it's wonderful to have you here. Thank you for joining us. I just got a text, uh, Larry, from a guy that you know. His name is Kevin Kruger, giving us a little market report. Uh, we are matching. 95.7 the game in viewers right now, but actually exceeding them. If you add our simulcast, we are uh, we're dwarfing uh, our friends, our former friends at KNBR. We're dwarfing a couple of other pretty well-respected and liked uh, content creators around here. We're not trying to dunk on anybody, but the legend of Damon and Larry and the 49ers wake up and the acai bowl continues to grow a monster monster attention getting performance from the 49ers giving us a little attention. And we certainly appreciate it. Please hit like, please hit subscribe, please hit notify uh, Larry. I, I think that my subscribers and your subscribers from, from my standpoint, and your standpoint, it's almost a the Venn diagram is almost a perfect circle. Like if you're following Damon Bruce, you're probably already subscribed to Larry Kruger. Uh, now, if you are subscribed to just Larry and not me, I'd love it if you'd hit that subscribe button. I'm going to be going continuing today at 11 a.m. with my own show. Nice. It won't be a long one. It won't be a long one because we're kind of giving it all to you right here, right now. But if I could make that the largest Damon Bruce show that we've had at 11 a.m. I would certainly appreciate a whole bunch of Kruger's crew joining me over there at 11 a.m. Please hit like, please hit subscribe. Thank you very much. Larry, congratulations to you over how many thousands of followers did you go over last night? You hit a milestone, baby. Look at that. 25,000 followers for my man Krug. And he 25,000 last night. Now we're at 25,125. So he picked up 125 people in the last in the last 10 hours 
But um, yes, I mean, we've had a million five views of the Krug Show uh, content, and just thank you to every single one of you. Um, Damon and I will be here after every 49er game. They're going to play on Thanksgiving, Black Friday, before you, uh, you know, decide to sleep in line to get, you know, $79 off a, off a flat screen. You put it on this show because we'll be here on, on Black Friday uh, to entertain you. Every morning after 49er football, Damon and I will be chopping it up on 49er Wake Up, brought to you by Palmetto Superfoods. And we thank you. Thanks to uh, to Charles, our hero from Palmetto Superfoods, who's um, you know probably the next billionaire tycoon uh, in the Bay Area. But yeah, no, really, really proud of of uh, what we've been able to accomplish over here. And um, and let's hit some supers because we got a bunch of people who are donating money as well. David Montez says, "Good morning, fellas. Thank you for this show. Thank, Thank you, you David. for watching, David. It's great Absolutely. to have you." Fish and Chips says, Kyle is very relaxed. It's a game changer. Did you see the smile NBC caught out of him last night? When Kyle Shanahan's smiling, the NFL should piss down its leg a little bit. <laughs> Grateful Red, 72. You both belong in a sports hall of fame. There you go. Thank, Thank you. you about that. Uh, we got this one from Lyle Bolliard. He says, after this game, do you think the Niners will trade before the deadline in what position? I do, and I think it will be either another edge rusher or maybe even a corner. That would be my guess. I definitely think they'll make a trade before the end of the month. For life, Niners says, how about them? How about them Dallas Cowboys? Do you got you got a how about them Cowboys in there? No, they didn't um, earn one last night. They don't get one. <laughs> Sven says, use that $41 million and get Pat Sertan. Yes. Oh, my goodness. How great would that be? Gizmo Maltese, is this the 49ers' best offense since 1994? It's better than that offense. If you want to be totally honest, it's better than that offense. It's better? averaging more points. It's averaging more points, Larry. Oh, my God. Steve Young, Ricky Waters, bar none, John oh, Taylor, look, Jerry it, Rice, it, Brent it Jones. Match, it, it, this offense can't match the star power of that offense. It can't match your warm and fuzzy memories of the single greatest era of Niner football of all time. It's but in that it's category. Won, it's won the exact same amount of games all those guys ever won together. It's a 15-game regular season winning streak. If Kyle beats Cleveland next week, he will have an undefeated season wrapped around two seasons. 16 in a row used to be an undefeated season in this league. The Niners have never had a 16-game winning streak in the history of their franchise. It's amazing. It absolutely is amazing. And they'll have uh, one if they beat Cleveland next week. Chris Medina, other than Philly, do you see any more potential losses on the Niners' schedule? Yeah, I do. Cleveland. Um, well, Cleveland Cle could be a potential loss, Larry. Cleveland. Absolutely. I'll say Cincinnati. Cincinnati is going to be a very difficult game to win. Why? Because look at the schedule. The Niners play, Damon, I don't know if you have it in front of you, but I believe the Niners play on Monday night the prior week. So you'll have 49ers on a short week traveling back home, and you'll have the Bengals on a 13-day rest because they'll be coming off their bye. So that Bengal game is going to be very, very difficult to win. Let me draft the three hardest games remaining on the 49ers schedule. The number one the Ravens overall pick. Too. Well, the number one overall pick of that draft is Philadelphia. Yeah. You could say Baltimore, but I'm going to say the Los Angeles Rams. The, the, the Rams are really good, Larry. They're yeah. not a bad football team, and Sean McVay is maybe having his best season as a head coach right now. Who could um, Nakua to you? Oh, a tutu Atwell. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it, it's uh, it, it's it's a it's 
this Cleveland game coming up is a sneaky red alert game. It really yeah. is. It's a Miles sneaky Garrett. red alert game. Uh, at Minnesota's your Monday nighter. And then, like you said, Cincinnati. I was going to put Jacksonville into this draft, but that's the Niners coming out of a bye week. If the Niners weren't coming out of a bye week going to Jacksonville, I would have penciled that in for a, you know, you got to get a couple L's on this schedule or you just look like a clownish fanboy. Well, I, I mean, look at Jacksonville too. I mean, Travis yeah. Etienne had th uh, th 136 yards and two Monster touchdowns. Game Monster game. Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, uh, Evan Engram has found himself there. Um, they got all kinds of defensive talent. I mean, Their my Josh goodness. Allen is something else defensively. Yeah, Josh we had Allen, the Josh Allen on Josh Allen crimes yesterday in London. Well, I, I, you know, that was really interesting. You know, so that's exactly the point. Who's better, Buffalo or Jacksonville? Buffalo. But Jacksonville had played in London, stayed in London the whole week. Buffalo flied in Friday morning and tried to make the adjustment, and they had ATN, nothing. ATN, no, yeah, ATN even nothing. said that 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 the week in London did their bodies right. They lose yeah. game one, they win game two. Right, and and Buffalo came out. And by the way, some of these other contenders, Buffalo only ran two point one per carry. Josh Allen was their leading rusher. They, you know. James Cook the was wait, let me flip that back. James Cook was four five carries for negative four yards. So I'm just saying some of these teams, it you know the the schedule setup and and how it, it's it, you look at all these games like hey any given Sunday anything can happen. Well, there's all kinds of inconsistencies that lead to that. You know, did you who'd you play the week before? How much rest did you get? Uh, how much rest did your opponent get? You know, so I think that Cincinnati game is is absolutely going to be a very, very tough game to win. I think this Browns game is a natural letdown, right? You just played the Cowboys on national TV, and now you get a Cleveland Brown team in their place that's very strong on the line of scrimmage, that has a game wrecker in Miles Garrett, a really, really strong defense. Denzel Ward's a true number one corner. That's going to be a really tough game. The Bengals game is going to be a tough game. At Seattle on Thanksgiving, Larry. At Seattle on Thanksgiving. Game. That, that place is going to be unhinged. Right. And, and 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 the Seahawks are better than we thought that they would be. The and then oh, but this NFC one, Damon. Better than we thought they would be. It's a it's a it's a Eagles uh, Seahawks Oreo because it goes Seahawks, Eagles, and then Seahawks again. You know how difficult it is to beat a team twice in three weeks? Very hard. That especially is very hard opponent, to do, especially a division. Well, I guess that's the only opponent you'd see twice in three weeks. So there's going to be a loss. There's going to be a loss in in this season. There, I I would be shocked, absolutely and utterly shocked, if they ran the table, despite how good they look right now, despite the fact that they're putting up thirty a game and and giving up you know under twenty a game most of the time. Um, you know, I. I you know, they should win every game by 10 on paper, but they won't. They'll lose a game somewhere here. So that's the way it looks for the Niners. You know, it the, the, the last 49er team to win 15 in a row started in a season that went 14 and two and ended in a season that went 14 and two. The first two years of Seifert are the winning streak that this team has matched. Uh, you look at what the Cowboys got coming up in front of them, Larry. Don't be surprised at all to watch the Dallas Cowboys fade, okay? It, it's going to come because they're at the Chargers, home to the Rams, at Philadelphia, 
Those are the next three games. They'll they can be go for three. They'll be lucky to go in those next three games. Based on what I saw last night, they'd be lucky to go one and two in the next three games. If you sold them one and two right now, they might think of buying it because two and one sounds a little impractical based on what we saw last night. Then look at gonna, December. Look at look at late November and December oh, for Dallas. It's a little tough over the next handful of games, and then it turns into a murderer's row where they're Seattle, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit, Washington to end the year. By the way, Detroit, Larry, the Detroit Lions are the third best team in the NFC right now, hands down, and leave it to Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. These, these nuts. That's right. That's our guy. <laughs> doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. Dan Campbell. <laughs> that, that is maybe the greatest. Can you play that one more time? doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's a T-shirt. That's a it, T-shirt ab- right absolutely. there. Um, if, if, if I hosted a show in Detroit. doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. I, would call, I will beat your ass. I would call it the three-toe show. If I had a show in Detroit right now, that but, that used to be on the ninety-five-seven, the game board. That was your board, huh? That was my board. It's amazing how all of my ideas are being pinched and used by everyone in radio in this town. Two stations, all day parts. But I digress. Um, Larry, no, they're, they're real though. Jared Goff in this last game against Carolina, twenty of twenty-eight, three touchdowns. They got multiple backs: David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs. Um, Sam Laporta, the rookie tight end, had two two touchdowns. Uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jamison Williams is their home run hitter, and they're they got a rugged defense, man, and and they'll go after it. And they also picked up, um, you know, from the Niners, didn't they take? Uh, don't they have um, Emmanuel Mosley? And I think from Philly, they wind up taking Chauncey, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. So I mean, they they've got, and they're both hurt right now, but I mean, they've got some really really good young players and some good veterans as well yeah i like detroit i I think detroit you're saying they're the third best team in the conference you think they're better than dallas yes i don't know about that i would say i would say it's niners eagles clear cut above everybody that but and then i would go with dallas detroit probably that's it Maybe maybe Rams if you if you like the Rams. Right. Do you feel good there? about putting Tampa Bay into that conversation? No, no, I don't either. No, no. Um, but again, they're better than anyone thought that they would be. This is a difficult league to be consistently good in, which is why a 15 game winning streak, whether it be measured against the glory days of the Niners or not, is so impressive. Consistency is the hardest thing to sustain in this league. And I don't just mean consistency year over year. I'm talking about a four-quarter game. As good as the Niners have been, last night was their first four-quarter game where they beat the brakes off the Cowboys in each and every single quarter. Um, they were they, they were dominant. Cowboys had as many passing yards as they did turnovers in the first quarter last night. Wow. Wow. So that that's a that that that's a really nice way to start a game. Dallas opened with three straight three no excuse me four straight three and outs. The 49ers had generated nine first downs, had forced a fumble, had sacked Dak twice, and had scored 14 points, surviving their own goal line fumble before the Cowboys even earned a single first down last night. Cowboys were held under a hundred yards in the first half. 
And that's the first time this season that they were held under a hundred yards in any half. And then they come back to just go over about a hundred yards in the second half. The Niners whooped their ass last night. Not only did the Niners score 42, the Niners didn't have a single receiver with even 70 receiving yards. They spread it around. Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, McCaffrey, Husechek, Jawan Jennings. I mean, they spread the ball around last night. Uh, Ayuk had the most targets with seven, but, I mean, they didn't have a 75-yard receiver, and they scored 42 points. They didn't have a 75-yard rusher. They scored 42 points. I mean, it wasn't like it was an all-timer from McCaffrey. He had 19 carries for 51 yards. He averaged 2.7 a carry. Right. And, and, it, was, and on, it wasn't on, a great vintage performance from CMC, and they still won by 32. Right. And, and oh, by the way, when we're counting all the different streaks that you can enjoy right now, his consecutive games with a touchdown streak, you can keep that one going. I mean, there are so many streaks to appreciate and count right now, but – uh, before we how get about back the Niner, how about the Niner O line, Damon? That was supposed to supposed to get their you know what handed to them. Yeah, uh, they gave up a total of one sack and two hits on the quarterback. Was was Micah Parsons on the field? Didn't see him. He got shut out. There were three he, things that the 49ers needed to do to find a win last night, and they did all three. They did all three in overwhelming fashion. They need to quiet C.D. Lamb from having a big game. And Isaiah Oliver played really well. We need to get to him and Diamador yeah. Lenore and what they did against him in the slot. The biggest play that C.D. Lamb made last night came against Mooney, who uh, who, who, who had a, a really good game himself. Um they needed to make sure Tony Pollard didn't go off. Tony Pollard never got right, not for a minute in that game. And they needed to make sure that Micah Parsons didn't have one of those, you felt him all night long football games, and you could hardly see him last night. So the Niners had three main weapons to shut down, and they went about shutting those three weapons down, leaving Dak with very little resources around him to do anything with. So... It was overwhelming. But where I want to go here and just spend a little bit of time, because I just don't think that we had spent enough time appreciating what we're seeing, is the evolution now of Brock Purdy. We've seen so little of Brock, it's hard to talk about his evolution. But the truth is, it, it would have been ridiculous to have assumed that his starting point of this year would have been much better than picked up where he had left off. He was denied an off-season of development because it was an off-season of surgical rehab, which is a totally different animal than how do I get better? How do I take the year that I had, package it into the off-season I need to get ready for the year that is coming? Brock hit a pause because of that elbow surgery and further development, and he's just trying to rehab. So starting this year, in the realm of looks like last year, would have been a really good starting point. But that's not what's happened. He's way this better. Is, this is a significant, it's not even a step forward, Larry. It's a leap forward. Brock Purdy has taken a leap in year two without a normal offseason in a way that's usually greater than a leap a player takes in year three or four in this league. So we're looking at just a smart, guy who gets it and just 
everything that Kyle Shanahan puts down, Brock Purdy's picking up. There's just no other way to say it. He is, this is the, this is what happens when a coach meets the player who gets it. And that's why the Niners are so dangerous right now. All of this talent everywhere and a facilitator who gets it, gets it all, gets it conceptually, gets it physically, and they're dangerous. The the one take that was the worst take of the offseason, and I saw it many, many, many nights in chats this offseason is, um, he's topped out. You know, he, he, the league will adjust to him. He's going to get worse next year. That was based in what? Other than, other than, hey, man, I really want Trey Lance to be the guy, and I'm rooting hard, and I've got a YouTube channel. There was nothing logical about Brock Purdy, 23-year-old quarterback, would be worse in year two in Kyle Shanahan's system. Matt Ryan was good in year one. In year two in this system, he won the MVP. You know, I mean, you get better in a complex system. I asked Brock what I thought was the ultimate question in May at the minicamp. I said, Brock, where are you today? Compare compare where you're at today within this system to where you were last year at this time. And he's like, oh, Krug, night and day. He's like, last year at this time, I was literally walking to the line of scrimmage just trying to remember, the be able to spit out the play and just try to remember what play it was. This year, I've I've operated the system over and over and over again. We've prepped for multiple playoff games. I know it like the back of my hand. I've committed it to memory. I know every play. I know every formation. You know, I, I know my my knowledge base is night and day. And yet, even though he said that, nobody nobody believed it. And now here we are, year two. His quarterback rating in week one against the Steelers on the road. 111.3. Then against the Rams, 93.1. Then against the Giants, 111.3. Last week against Arizona, 134.6. Last night against Dallas, 144.4. He's completing 72% of his passes. He's got nine touchdowns. He's yet to throw an interception. The team that he's quarterbacking is undefeated and is averaging close to 35 points a game. I remember you trying to pivot off. Because look, as I said earlier, it took no talent at all to underestimate Brock Purdy. You were right and you were justified in looking at him, his starting point, and saying, well, this probably isn't going to work. But then some of the data that's being returned to you, you need to start factoring into your evaluation of the guy. And I remember one of your... I thought really good off-season talking points was, well, let's take our eye off the ceiling and just look at the floor. And Brock Purdy's floor is probably higher than Trey Lance's ceiling, to be completely honest with you. I mean, it's and, really not about Trey Lance. I was hated. I was always uncomfortable talking about these guys in comparison because right. I Trey Lance is Trey Lance. He is an enormous talent, great kid, hard worker with several of the traits that it takes to be a great quarterback. But he played one year of college football since high school, and it, his day is coming, man, but it ain't today. And it wasn't going to be by week one. Well, and it's look, like it, it was so it, obvious it, that it wasn't going to be week one, but it's coming. Don't, let's not, let, 
Let's not act like Trey Lance is is some bum. He's not. Trey Lance is going to be a – I agree with Trent Williams, who doubled down this week and said that he thinks someday Trey's going to be very, very good. Trent is smart. Trent knows ball. I know ball. This Trey Lance is a franchise quarterback. He's just not a franchise quarterback today. He is going to make it, and he's going to be very good. I really firmly believe that. But this idea that he was more ready to play than Brock Purdy was asinine. It was crazy talk. And the people that couldn't see the different stages of development, I got to wonder. It's like, were you just hoping? Do you, do you just kind of hope that the player that you're watching is going to be good? Because that sounds like what the plan was. We're just hope that he'll be good. It's like, he's going to be good, but it's going to take reps, lots of reps. Um, what Brock does throwing with anticipation, Trey doesn't do virtually at all. But guess what? He eventually will because it's not, this is not NASA. You know, he's going to figure it out. There's limited factors. Um, it's going to take some time. But three years from now, Trey Lance is going to be a very good NFL quarterback. I think everybody just needs to put their arms around that. You know, you want to, uh, you know, understand that Brock's great. Understand that. But also understand that Trey has all of the traits to be great. He just needs the mental reps and the physical reps. Brock played all his freshman year at Iowa State. He played his sophomore year. He played it. This guy played. And he had 47 career starts. And then you're seeing the product of that of that experience right now. Trey's gonna get there. It's just gonna take, it's gonna be 2025. It's going to be 2026. I mean, I absolutely am just very, very confident that Trey's going to be a very good quarterback, um, but it's just not going to be right now. If you're just joining us, welcome. It's great to see you here on 49ers Wake Up, brought to you by Palmetto Superfoods, delicious acai bowls just with your name on it with our promo code you get 15 percent off dblk15 scan the qr code if larry puts it up uh he will in just a moment he's looking for it i can feel it uh this is an absolutely delicious nutritious great way to start your day to end your night use this as your breakfast use this as your lunch mix in a healthy meal around all the crap that we eat make this your next healthy choice and you will return not because it's a healthy choice but because it's delicious it's satisfying it's filling go ahead Check out Palmetto Superfoods all around the Bay Area. That's the promo code. That's the QR code. You know what you need to do, audience. So do it. Thank Guys, you lose, lose the drive-through and go and just stand in line behind a beautiful woman and order her. Maybe pay for her her uh, her Aussie bowl. Offer to pay for her Aussie bowl and see if that works for you. I think it's going to work. It, it it's. I mean, it'll probably do better than... You know, I got the coffee behind me at a Dunkin' Donuts. So, yeah, <laughs> right. go ahead and do that. Uh, and you got a promo code. So you're going to save 15% while you're doing it. Right. And you're very, very welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for joining Damon and Larry. Um, what we've seen out of Brock Purdy in his last two games is nothing short of 37 for 45 for 535 yards and five touchdowns. He's so much easier to underestimate than he is to play against. And people got 
just so overinvested in underestimating him and overestimating someone else that they didn't want to come off their positions. Brock Purdy has moved the entire football criticism world off of its position to the point where now the only thing the doubters have left to say is system quarterback, system quarterback. My response to all that was, well, who cares? Who cares if it's, I don't care if it's a, a system quarterback or not. Troy Aikman, system quarterback. Joe Montana, system quarterback. Do, do, did you think that Tom Brady wasn't good until he won a Super Bowl in Tampa? It because takes people a while, Damon. It takes people a while. I mean, I, I remember the lead up into Super Bowl 84, or Super Bowl um, 19 in 1984. The 49ers went 15 and one. They had, Joe Montana had already won a Super Bowl and went to an NFC Championship game in 83. And now here they were on the heels of a 15 and one season. And yet the narrative going into that Super Bowl was that Joe was clearly, clearly not as good as Dan Marino. And Dan Marino might have been the greatest thrower of the football in the history of football. And he was a spectacular quarterback. But Joe Montana had several traits that were top shelf from his movement ability, like Brock, all to the his intelligence, to all his competitiveness, all the intangibles. And what did he do? He didn't just beat Marino in that Super Bowl. He won the MVP. He won the MVP of the game. And then he went on and won two more after that and probably would have won three or four more if the Niners didn't trade Charles Haley and, and have some, you know, meltdowns along the way. Um, Joe maybe winds up at six or seven. Right. Had he not gotten crushed in that Giants game, which had changed his physicality, his, his, you know, his physical abilities for the rest of his career. Um, yeah, who knows? Different, different era. Who knows where it, what, it, what it would have been. Um, what is what, what just shows you how dangerous the Niners are is what they're doing on these opening drives. I mean, I think an opening drive says a lot about a team, its ability to prepare, how good your head coach is, how well you are at executing a tailor-made game plan around your opponent. And the 49ers have now found pay dirt four times in five weeks on the opening drive. They've scored 31 points on opening drives this season. That's the best in the NFL. This is the seventh consecutive regular season game, going back to last year again, that the 49ers have scored on an opening drive, whether it be field goal or touchdown, Kyle is seeing points on first drives now, seven games in a row. That is proof positive. And what did Purdy do in that drive? Point. He went four for four. That's too Purdy goes for he only goes four for four on drives these days, Larry. It's what he does. <laughs> but it's four it's, for four with yeah. four hitting hitting three different receivers. He went four for four. It's uh it was the perfect opening drive because it let the Cowboys know it's coming from everywhere tonight. McCaffrey got touches. Debo got touches. Kittle got his touch. Ayuk got his touch. Spreading it around, giving, you know, giving the Dallas Cowboys eyes to put everywhere. you got to defend every blade of grass when you're defending this 49ers offense. And again, on a night where the offense put up in an amount of points that everyone's going to concentrate, look at what that defense did. Larry, can we spend five minutes talking about Fred Warner? I mean, he was spectacular. Oh, my God. Absolutely he, spectacular. It was a virtuoso be, performance. He became the first Niner since Navarro Bowman in 2013 to post a sack, an interception, and a forced fumble in the same game. And now I think it has to be at least brought up. Is Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, 
Um, where does that combo sit next to Willis and Bowman? Next to the great liner, Niner linebacker combos in history. Uh, Willis and Bowman, I thought, were the tip of the speed of the sphere and 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 you know tip of the spear and just an unbelievable uh combo. And it just it it petered out because of injuries, devastating injuries to both guys. But Fred Warner is the best coverage linebacker in the game today. He can cover down the field like a defensive back. He can blitz and and sack the quarterback like a defensive lineman. And then Greenlaw is just flat out nasty. I mean, Greenlaw, how about that first tackle on the sideline where he just threw the guy down? It was definitely out of bounds. He probably should have been penalized. You know, luckily he wasn't. But Greenlaw is, to me, the tone-setting player on this team. He is the guy that everybody falls behind when it comes to who's going to set the tone of physicality, speed, and swagger. It's Dre Greenlaw. Well, I think, you know, the 49ers had the defensive player of the year last year in Nick Bosa. I think they might have the defensive player of the year this year in Fred Warner. I I wouldn't be surprised to see him in that conversation when the season is over. Chris Collinsworth went out of his way last night to just talk about the interception he made after the Diamador Lenore tip. By the way, Diamador Lenore did more to help the Niners win just tipping the ball once off of his leg, once with his hand to create two turnovers, keep that uh, fumble in bounds when it went off his leg, and then uh, he creates the tip drill that Chris Collinsworth said, so Fred Warner's in the other direction. He's on the other side of the field, and he comes back across hash to hash with an unbelievable amount of speed to even find the ball to pluck out of the air for his interception last night. Fred Warner has a gear, has an ability. He was running. Look, technically, he got cooked by Brandon Cooks a little bit there. It had had Dak delivered the right ball, Cooks is walking in for six. But there's no linebacker in the world that should be able to run with Cook. Not one. Yeah, And Fred Warner did the very best job you can running with one of the fastest players in all of football. He's a linebacker covering a slot receiver 55 yards downfield. That, yeah. that, you can't even ask a linebacker to do that. The fact that Kyle is comfortable, that Steve Wilkes is comfortable giving Willis, or yeah, Willis, listen to me, giving Patrick <laughs> Willis, given Fred Warner that defensive assignment is all you need to know what they think about Fred Warner. He can do anything. That's what they think of him. We he's have a the leader. He's do anything. He's a leader too. I mean, Damon, I I'm down there all every, every practice. This guy is the guy who's talking it up. This is the guy who's telling his teammates, let's F and go. And you know, he's the guy who's like, you know, gets everybody going. Um, and he, t- and he doesn't do it with like a, you know, arrogance, it's it's more like, you know, we're going to do this together kind of a thing. Uh, but he is the guy that gets that energy going at practice. Um, he's the guy who, who, you know, really, you can tell. I mean, you sit down early in the week to talk about Tony Pollard. It was abundantly clear when I asked him about Pollard, like literally on Tuesday, that he had fully developed thoughts on Pollard compared to Connor from the week before and what he liked about Pollard and what he had studied about Pollard. This guy loves the, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to love the process of pro football. There's pro football on Sundays, but that's what we see. 
pro football is about the process of pro football. These guys show up with suits and briefcases. You know what I mean? They, they show up with laptops and it's, it's a job and they they work at it and it's what you do, you know, Sunday, not just on Sunday, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And they, they, they can bring these films home and they're watching it. And it's like, if you're wed to the process of football, um, you're going to improve in your off days. And that's what Fred is. I mean, when he started talking about Pollard this week on Tuesday and the detail that he had when I asked him about it, it was like, to me, it was clear, like, I, if I had had a follow-up question, I'd be like, Fred, it sounds like you've spent three hours watching Tony Pollard. And I bet you anything he would have said, I have. You no, know what I mean? It's been about five, Larry. Right. Not three. You know what I mean? It's- right. The guy, the guys put in the work. Not only do the 49ers have the raw talent, they've got the students. They're students of the game. Veterans, rookies, guys in between, few years of experience, few first-team All-Pros under their belt. Nobody stops studying. Nobody stops grinding. I haven't seen a 49er really represent a human weak point on this team. You know, who is the worst Niner? That's a tough conversation to have, right? That's a hard player to find. Who is the one guy who has not lived up to their job, their reputation, what Kyle asks of them? Don't just say, well, it's Ambry Thomas because he's gotten burnt on a few routes. Look, corners get burnt. That, That happens. That's football. Play the next play. You're going to lose reps when you're a cornerback in this league. I know you only see the highlight film of Deion Sanders. Deion lost reps in this league is one of the great cover corners of all time. It's just the way it goes. So you yeah, can't no, look you're at right. Singular and play. They're loaded. I mean, they're deep on the practice squad. I mean, they, as, as proof is Quantra's night got picked off and Ilm Manning got picked off. And then when Ilm got waived by, by uh, Arizona Niners signed him right back. So yeah, I mean, they, they, the Niners have, a, have a great thing going. I mean, and it, it really, it, it, I think it, a lot of it comes to, I mean, they get great coaches, but a lot of it comes back to how they're building their roster. They're hitting on day three of the draft. They're hitting after the draft. They're signing only premier guys in free agency. So that gives their great player quotient. You know, they, they've got a high percentage of great players, but they also have great depth. So usually it's one or the other. Dallas in the 90s had the triplets. They had Emmett and Aikman and Irvin. But then because they had those guys and they paid them at such a high level, their backups were not that great. And in the NFL, it's kind of been assumed in the last 10, 20 years, you can have one but not both. You can have depth but not stars, or you can have stars but no depth. The Niners have found a way to create um, a template where they have stars and depth. And that's an amazing thing the single biggest highway that that gets to travel down is Brock Purdy's price tag. Yeah. Brock Purdy's playing like a $50 million a year quarterback making less than 900 grand. Right. So that goes a a part of it. That goes a long way to helping Parag look like a fucking genius. If you don't mind me saying, you know I mean? really, No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. By the way, a couple more supers on, on Purdy. We got this one from Clarence Molina, Damon. Purdy showed me he has touch and a different ball speeds and knows how to throw guys open better than any quarterback Kyle has ever had. Processing speed is elite. Very good point, Clarence. Very good point. 
he's he's got this one too. Purdy is him. He can throw the ball at different angles and speeds. Footwork is elite. Processing power is elite. Montana Young S. Kyle has his best quarterback ever in his career. Postman. By the way, by the way I, I have to say that is my new most unwelcome phrase in sports that fans overuse too much Which on one? social media. That whole he is him. <laughs> I know. He, just he is him. Like that's I got a problem with those pronouns. <laughs> not, for, not not any other level of use of pronouns. Wait a second. He I see him. your he is him, and I meet you with it is what it is. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> the postman in Capitola has been listening to you for years, Damon. Said yesterday, Texas Rangers eleven, Dallas Cowboys ten. No you know Bruce. what that gets for postman? Oh, yo, yo. He always likes one of those. Oh, by the way, get rid of Bruce Bochy. I'd rather have Gabe Kapler. The 49ers uh, have officially earned this too. Maximum. <laughs> Ray Ratto cringes somewhere in America. <laughs> Steve O says, Hey guys, great show. Any update on Aaron Banks? It's a bicep injury. We don't know the extent of it. We'll find out today when Kyle speaks to the media. Dazo says, how good were our linebackers last night? I hope Greenlaw makes the Pro Bowl. Yeah, seriously. Hey, also, look, shout out Isaiah Oliver. He's easy to overlook. You know, yes. Gibson's out there making plays and getting interceptions to get people talking about him. Isaiah Oliver, he won his battles against C.D. Lamb last night. He was really good. And the fact that Dallas got nothing going in that passing game, that Dallas loves to attack slot receivers. It's where C.D. usually lines up. And they, they snuffed them out all night long. And it was Isaiah Oliver mostly doing it. Diamador Lenore, you get a gold star too. Isaiah, go look at my YouTube page. I did an interview the last week in the locker room with Isaiah Oliver because I knew that uh, CD Lamb was going to be in the slot against Oliver. And we talked about different mindsets about going against bigger players as opposed to faster players and how you how his film study and the matchup with CD and what he saw. Uh, there's some really good stuff there that if you look at it in hindsight, you'd be like, wow, Isaiah Oliver really had a good idea of what C.D. Lamb was bringing to the table and, well and before look, the game. Know, I, I even see a comment on here, Drew Down, longtime listener, love Drew. He's like, yeah, Oliver got cooked by Turpin last night. He Turpin did. cooks dudes. That's what he Turpin. does, though. He's got ridiculous speed, and that was the one play that actually worked for the Cowboys last night. You know, if all you want to do is talk about the one play he got cooked, what about the other 25 that he didn't? Right. Well, and also, guess what? There's an old saying that these guys use in the locker room. Those guys get paid, too. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those guys get paid, too. So yeah. they're supposed to be good. Drunken Ninjas is Brock's an assassin, unassuming and lethal. Sheesh. I got to use sheesh more. Sheesh. And then and then Kev, my, my son, has tweeted this out from the presser. Look at this one. Damon, this is from yesterday's presser um, after the game. This is Shanahan last night after the game talking about Brock. Here we go. Let's see here. I think I turned down the volume. Uh, where's the volume on it? There it is. Of a play caller Hold on a second. You do too many, and eventually you're going to get on the chance wait, to make wait. a big two. Here we go. Drag it back. Yeah. Here we go. You guys go. You get a feel for when Brock is kind of running hot when you when he's he had that series there when he had the deep pass that uh, you just a linebacker in the play that was called back and then he, he kept going with it. Did you sense that, that he was he was looking pretty good? Yeah, I, I felt that way with him all day. So the, there wasn't a, a time that I didn't feel he was like that. You just got to be careful 
when you feel that way from the beginning to end that you don't just start calling too many passes. That, that's usually the challenge of a play caller because you do too many and eventually you're going to give them a chance to make a big play. Um, but we felt if and we can mix in enough that he was pretty on and um, we could handle their protections just by him getting rid of it. And you know, he was he was fun to coach today. I mean, now we're talking. We this is the same coach that took the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands, and now he's worried about calling too many passes. And Damon, to me, the most interesting aspect of the 49er offense um, this year that I didn't realize until I looked deep into the numbers going into this Dallas game is that Shanahan this year has really let his his offensive line be on an island. In other words, uh, George Kittle has only stayed in the block like three times a game. Um, Kyle Huszczyk and Christian McCaffrey have only been used to block a handful of times. The way Kyle has gone about it, he has put five guys in the pattern and basically just said, hey, second-year quarterback that everybody doubts, I'm putting it all on you. I'm not going to block I'm not going to leave the tight end in. I'm not going to chip these guys. I'm going to leave it on you to process what you see at the line of scrimmage, have five eligibles, and then get the ball out fast. Right. You got you got three Mississippi to make a decision. Make the right one, and we can win. Right. And he's got total belief in Brock that Brock will make the right decision. And that, to me, Damon, is a major part of his of of his confidence that he has in Brock Purdy is that he puts it all on his plate. He basically says, "Brock, here, you do it. You figure it out. You make it all happen. We're gonna we're not you know gonna send extra blockers and devote extra blockers. We're just gonna let you decide." Um, this is what I asked Brock. Listen to this one. This is a really good one, Damon. This is what I asked Brock earlier in the week about five eligibles versus I've seen this video. This is a great answer from Brock. Listen to this one. This is Brock earlier this week. And I asked them him to defend the whole. Here's, here's the question. Listen, Brock, first of all, listen to that handsome question. Um, yeah. Yeah. Before you listen to Brock, listen to this awesome question. Brock, looking at the numbers um, in the first month, Kyle's preferring not to have the tight end staying in block in the fullback block. He's getting five out in the pattern and making them defend the whole field and kind of putting it on you to get the ball out quick. Is that the way you like to play? Is that a Kyle preference? Do you have a preference? Do you want five in the pattern? Would you rather have the tight end blocking? How do you look at offensive football? Yeah, um, I feel like it just depends. You know, obviously against the team that we're going against, um, the situation where we're at in the game. Um, but obviously with the playmakers that we have, you know, for you know my sake, it's like, man, I, if everyone could be an option, you know, in the past game in one play, like I love that. Obviously, like everyone is really good. Get the ball in space. They can make you know something crazy happen with it. So um, obviously, it's nice as a quarterback to have really good players all be eligible in the pass play to get out and have an opportunity to get the ball. Um, depending on what the team's doing, if they're blitzing a lot or whatever, do we have to have help and have guys stay in? So be it. Um, so that's something that obviously Kyle goes over. He goes over it with us as quarterbacks, and then we're ready to roll come Sunday with what we're expecting and what our plan is. And so, um, but I mean, I think it'd be any quarterback's dream to have you know, all the guys out eligible uh, for the pass play. But um, it just depends, like I said, on the situation. You know what I hear there, Larry? You know what I hear there? I hear, blitz me, you sons of bitches. I freaking (laughs) dare you. I I dare dare you. you. Blitz me. Go ahead. I invite it. Do it. Yeah. Um, That's what I hear. 
from Brock Purdy right there. He is mature beyond his years. He is. Look, there's a reason why Kyle was ready to walk away from a pick that he knew would be attached and associated with him as a negative for all the draft capital that he invested in a guy that didn't work out for a guy that is clearly more than working out. It is just, it's as, it seems to be, I mean, this is okay. Let's let me, let me try You're right to, though. Cause he knew right. and John knew too. They were going to take criticism the day they traded Trey Lance for a fourth round pick. And they said, you know what? Bring that criticism on. Right. Because we're, we, we're, we got our guy. We're happy to lose press conferences as long as we keep winning football games. This looks like a quarterback head coaching relationship that is a very significant tandem. This looks a little Belichickian, Bradyan. This looks a little Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomesy. This looks a little uh, Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, and we're, we're talking about some all-time greats. And Brock Purdy again through 10 games has the highest passer rating in football history with the second best completion percentage in football history has 20 touchdowns passing only four interceptions. None of those interceptions have come so far this season. It is a spectacular start. Uh, one of the things that we also do, Larry is have our airing of grievances segment ever, every <laughs> single, uh, every, every uh, 49ers wake up that we've done so far. Here is the list of things from last night's game. I didn't like, are you ready? Yes. Grab a pen and paper. I want you to keep this list. Here we go. Wait a second. I got my, I got my Sharpie. I'm going to my notebook, my trusty notebook. Got all my notes from the game. Here we go. It's highlighted. It's uh, collated. All right. Here we go. The, number one, I did not like the draw play to McCaffrey that took the offense out of field goal range in the first quarter. That's the list. <laughs> there it is. You're That's so you're hyper negative. The only time I wrote down, oh, I didn't like that. I, I didn't like that decision was that. Uh, know, uh, can I, can I add one to the list? Sure. How do you not go with the Joe Montana, the Joe Montana era chicken nuggets, which are of a staple in the press box. There were no chicken nuggets at halftime. None. We were Sorry. leaning on a. We were leaning on paninis. Is that where we're at? Come on, Niners. Is that where we're at? We're going paninis. We're going panini. What happened to those dry nuggets? Well, the the, the chicken fingers. The chicken the dry, fingers. The dry, the that, dry that literally could be a weapon. You still get a nacho option. The Niners were famous for their world's most accessible nacho bar at a halftime of, of old candlestick. When you'd walk around that old German submarine that was the candlestick press box, you'd go and you'd get your, your runny, probably made with more water than nacho cheese, nacho cheese on your straight out of a bag of Ortega tortilla chips. Um, but I would still always get a thing of nachos. The, the Niners halftime nachos were famous. Hopefully those were still in effect, Larry. But outside of feeding the media poorly, there is an awful lot to chew on for everyone these days. How about that for a segue, right? Feeding the media poorly, we still have an awful lot to chew on. There's a reason why you and I got laid off. I, I can't understand it, but anyways. Maybe, maybe this Stevie P says your Giants rant was epic. It sure was. Thank you. Thank Larry, you. You, you make things Somebody happen. said that to me in the elevator. Like, hey, Krug. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? I saw that rant on Kapler on, on Damon with Damon the other day, man. Good stuff. Like, thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. It, it, I, I mean it, Larry. It might be 29 of your greatest minutes. Hey, it got I, the job done. It got the job done. Look, Kapler be gone. 
Casper, be know. gone. I don't know when your funeral is going to be, but I know what we're going to be doing for a half an hour at your funeral. <laughs> we're going to play the 29-minute Larry Kruger rant, and uh, and it will be immortalized forever, man. It was it was special. It really was. Um, look, the 49ers are incredibly special. It feels like the only thing that could really take them off of a Super Bowl track is going to be a significant injury, which beyond knock on wood, knock on wood, knowing what's going on here with Aaron Banks, uh, they have gone five weeks of football without a significant injury, which is an accomplishment for any team, much less a Niner team that has been so snake bitten by injuries in recent years. But everything that you want as a football fan, you're getting. You're getting a head coach who knows what he's doing with an offense who can run uh, a system that overwhelms defenses. You also come with an overwhelming defense to every game you play in yourself with special teams acumen that we haven't seen in any other Kyle Shanahan year, to be completely honest with you. Kyle's blind spot as a head coach has been special teams let letdowns. There, this has not been a great special teams run during the Kyle Shanahan era. He's getting the best out of his punter. He's got a kicker who hasn't missed anything right now. Kickoff return coverage looks better than I've seen it. Kickoff punt coverage is overwhelming to the point where there's so many coffin corner kicks. There aren't even opportunities to return the punt. Well, he got a um, great, he got a new coordinator. I mean, let's be honest. He brought in Brian Schneider from Seattle. Schneider's a proven special team coordinator. So, um, and, and they've, and let's be honest, they've also invested real dollars. I'll give you a guy who we haven't mentioned yet, who is a bad, bad man. And he was a bad, bad man last night, George freaking Odom. Mm -hmm. He is an, is a pro bowl, all pro caliber special teamer. They went and got him Jake Moody. I was sitting here going, what? kicker in the third freaking round what he's like he's he's a solid kicker mitch wishnowski ray ray mcleod i mean they've got some really they've dedicated spots on their roster to real special teamers you know everybody gives special teams lip service oh it's a third of the game yeah but do you really believe that or is that just something that you say for a soundbite because you got to put your money where your mouth is. And the Niners have when it comes to special teams. They went and got a top-tier coordinator. They invested real draft, cap, real um, actual capital in, under the salary cap in special teams players. Um, and look at the results. Look at the results. They're really, really good. You know, the one area that I'm a little nervous about is some of the coverage units. But even that, as the season has progressed, has gotten tighter. It's gotten better. Um, Turpin, if you remember in the playoffs, burned the Niners with a couple long returns. The Niners have done a really good job on the re in the return game. And they're, you know Ronnie Bell's a great special team guy. They found a way to down the ball inside the five-yard line like in three, or three of the last four games. I mean, with this defense, you and, and, the, and with an offense that scores 30 a game, Last night, 40. And the Niner defense, if you can pin your opponent inside their 15-yard line, I'm taking my chances with that all day. You're going to go the link. You're going to go 75, 85 yards against this defense 
without falling behind the chains, without making mistakes, without turning it over. You may do it once in the game, but that's it. You're not live. That's not how you're going to live. You're not beating this team traveling 85 yards on every drive. Um, and, and, and especially with Nick Bosa, where Bosa draws a holding penalty on in, in almost every single game, you got to hold him. So that means you're now behind the chains. And guess what? When you're behind the chains, guess what Steve Wilkes did yesterday to Dallas when they fell behind the chains? He brought six-man pressures. Now your job just got a whole lot tougher. By the way, Bamboo Soldier down on the text chain on my channel, Larry, has said the Gettysburg Address, MLK's I Have a Dream, and Larry's Giant Rant. That's the list. Four score and seven years ago, the San Francisco Giants were relevant. Fantastic. Very, very good, Bamboo Soldier. Anyways, Larry, before we take a little look around what happened in week five yesterday and bounce around the NFL a little bit, I just want to bring up a few more raw data points from last night's game. The 49ers had 25 first downs. Cowboys had eight. It was 14-4 first downs at half, by the way. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Uh, The 49ers, again, only faced, only saw third down 11 times last night. They're eating up, gobbling so much yardage on first and second down. It feels like third down really isn't coming into play in these games for the most part. And when it does, they usually convert it. Um, Everything that you want happening offensively is happening. The Niners can give it to you any way you want it. They... Last night had 251 passing yards while running for a quiet 170. It didn't feel like the Niners had almost 200 rushing yards last night. They did. They did. Christian McCaffrey, even though he led the team in carries and touches, he got the load taken off him with Mason's effort last night. And I think Mason has earned the right to get earlier in the game touches based on last night's performance alone. I would like to see Mason start getting some goal line touches, but boy, I understand why Kyle doesn't like taking Christian McCaffrey off the field. The guy is a touchdown waiting to happen. So I get it, but the minute Kyle has an another option for a bruise worthy down, which goal to go is maybe get McCaffrey into the decoy role more than the taking punishment role. But God, McCaffrey is such a tough son of a bitch. He got rocked. I think hit the hardest he's been hit all year last night. Not only did he pop up, not only did he stay in the game, but he would punctuate that same drive with his touchdown. So it's, uh, the guy's special. What a, what a trade, what a trade that was, by the way, great trade. And you know, this guy, he's, He's a difference-making player. He really is, and you're right. He is tough. He is tough as nails. Uh, By the way, Dave Lombardi had this one on Twitter. The 49ers have scored 30 points in nine straight regular season games. They're the fifth team in the history of the league to do it. The quarterbacks who have done it, Kurt Warner, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and now Brock Purdy. Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. We'll see. Last pick of the draft. Last pick in the draft. And and by the way, one of my favorite guys on Twitter, and I know he's one of your favorite guys as well, um, is Baldy. 
Oh yeah. And Baldy, can we can we do a quick Baldy? Can we a devote Baldy a minute break, here to Baldy? If this is what I think it is, it's him just glowing about Brock for about three minutes. Play this, Larry. This is here incredible. We here we go. The Cowboys came in with the number one defense in the NFL through the first four weeks. Take the soldier. And the 49ers comment, decided to throw a Brock party. Like this little oh. reverse pass right here is so well designed. All right, here comes Debo. But watch. Now you get the ball back to Purdy. But already, Ayuk has taken both safeties fishing. They're out on a fishing extravaganza, and there goes Kittle. Behind the defense, 38 yards, touchdown. Now, you watch this play right here. This is the Brock party, all right? Everybody's covered. All right, you got a four-man rush right here, but he's got an escape route to the right, and he takes it. Now, Kittle opens up as the defense expands. There's touchdown number two. Now, first and 15, 49ers never stop attacking. Ayuk right here on this dig route. The throw is so perfect. It's this perfect. Like, Look at you this. can't make it any more perfect. Purdy Velcros this ball right to the right shoulder of Ayuk over the outstretched hands of Leighton Van Der Esch. Like it's Velcroed. All right, here we go. We're just having some fun. How about third and 13? Ain't no check down in the 49ers offense. No such thing as a check down. Third and 13, they're going for it. He's going to rip this ball to Debo right here on a rope in stride. Like, it's a rope. Like, stop this stuff. Like, this is ridiculous. This is the Brock party. Like, just rip it. Boom. Look at this throw. Look at that spiral. Woo! Debo's like, oh, you want to take, play some T-ball today? Look at Gilmore. Just trying to get an ankle to stop him. How about this right here by Kittle? All right. You got, watch this head fake at the top of this route. All right. To sell this seven cut right there. Boom. It gets Donovan Wilson leaning. And then here comes Purdy finishing it. Like just a drop. Just a pearl drop. Like this throw is just so pretty. Like, is this a real quarterback or is this just artificial intelligence? Is this just AI? Like, did they just invent this quarterback? Like, look at his throw. Like, it's an egg toss at the state fair. Is there any more? How about, is there any more I can show? How about this one? People think he doesn't have a strong arm. How about if you stand on the logo, that proud logo of the 49ers, and just laser this ball across the field to Jennings? 49ers through a Brock party. Wow. I, can I love Baldy. I, I love Baldy too. And I, you can just watch. I could watch that all day. I could watch it on like a loop. You know, that is just incredible stuff. And, you know, you then work in a guy who knows, knows a little football like Baldy and, and, uh, and just showing, you know, well, kind of, we've officially reached the point of the conversation where everyone who knows football is telling you how good Brock is. And everyone who doesn't know football is still trying to hold out hope that maybe he's not as good as they said he wouldn't be. Right. Like that, that's where we are. Right. That's where we are. The people who know the game are looking at this guy and going, Jesus, there's no reason to doubt this. There's no reason. There's no reason for you to not invest in what you're seeing. And Kyle, who is never fooled by quarterback play. 
Kyle knows what he needs, knows what he wants. And he throws and around compliments of, to quarterbacks, Damon, like manhole covers. I mean, exactly. He does not. He's not one of these guys who's like, he's Johnny Feelgood, glad-handing everybody. He's not the guy spraying uh, Drakkar Noir on you outside of Macy's. Welcome. <laughs> you know, he's not He's not that guy. He's not, you know, you can, uh, that made you laugh because I know well, you can like picture that guy. reference. That's, you're speaking to my generation. I mean, <laughs> no one bathed in more Drakkar going to a sophomore high school dance hoping that tonight was the night more than me. Come on. I, I get it. A little Drakkar? A little Drakkar? Uh, yeah. I mean, Shanahan does not compliment quarterbacks at all. At all. At all. I mean, he's seriously, he's tough on his quarterback. And there was a there was a cut earlier this year that I played. That it was, I, my, kid, my son turned it into a reel that got thousands of views. And basically what it was was when Brock got strip-sacked, when Colton McKivitz blew the block on T.J. Watt and Brock got strip-sacked, he went back to the bench. And I asked Shanahan, um, at the next presser, I said, you, you had a very heated conversation with Brock behind the bench. What did you say to him there? And I got him in a rare moment where he was like, you know what? I'm just going to tell you exactly what I said. He goes, I just told him, Hey, look, you know, it's a three-step drop and you don't have time on that play. And so if you don't have it, you got to tuck it away. If you're, you know, you can't wait on it. You, you got to tuck that away and protect the football. And it was a criticism, right? Um, but literally that you know it was real and it kind of shows the level of expectation that Kyle has for Brock despite his relative NFL inexperience and it kind of shows that you mean Kyle ain't messing around man he's a perfectionist and he doesn't he's not and and now he's got a quarterback that works at his craft the same way that he works at his craft and it's just it's all come together it's all come together Kyle wants his quarterback to obviously go out and make plays. Every coach is looking for his quarterback to do that. But as important for Kyle is the elimination of mistakes. And that's why I think Brock Purdy is his favorite quarterback that he's worked with because the elimination of mistakes seems to come as easy to Brock Purdy as any other attribute that you're looking for. He doesn't make mistakes, which at this point in time in his career is extraordinary because he's a baby in this league and babies make mistakes in this league. So it's, it's an amazing moment in time. Don't wait for it to end to look back and appreciate it. 49ers fans enjoy it. Now enjoy it right now. These are special moments that are being delivered to you in historical streaky fashion by a quarterback who within 10 starts has the second highest completion percentage in football history and the best passer rating in football history. He hasn't thrown an interception yet this year. And Brock Purdy just looks unflappable, absolutely unflappable as a young man at the podium. Uh, you know, a lot of guys, if they're having great careers in one way, they, they trip over their own fame or their own accolades. You know what Brock Purdy's not going to get caught doing? Getting hand jobs from a series of about 100 masseuses in a hotel. I just, I'm confident he's not going to do that. I'm, I, it just, it's not in him. He looks like a guy who was wired by a couple of parents who just raised him right. Just go to work, keep your hat in your hand, stay humble, work hard, work harder than the next guy, and let good things fall where they may. 
Here, here's who he is. Yeah. Here's who he is. You want to know who he is? This is who he is. This is who this guy is. What are you making? What'd you make? Oh, you did? You gave it to one of my teammates? Oh, that's good. Oh, I bet it was beautiful. Thank what do you got there? Let me sign it. I like it. Ooh, that's pretty. Oh. Really pretty. There you go. I hope you sign that jersey. I might be Joe Montana, sweetheart. <laughs> that's who the guy is. Well, I love that. That's you know, now who that the guy I, is. Now that I've got kids guys who go out of their way to make little kids feel special mean more to me now than it ever has in the past. So that's great to see. And, uh, it's, it's awesome. I mean, I mean, seriously, that's who the guy is. That's who the guy is. Uh, Jamela 13 says, is there a way for the 49ers to compensate Brock fairly or close to it, uh, to commensurate to it with his play through bonuses? Uh, what he's making is a sin. Well, first of all, he he did makes like 840 grand. So it's not like he's, He's not uh, past. It's not like, hey, and the first collection today at church is for Brock Purdy. Right. Uh, Clarence Molina says 49ers equal. Remember the Titans. Leave no doubt. Look, (laughs) let me just say this to go back to the other super chat, Larry. Yeah. You don't need to worry about Brock Purdy's payday. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. It's coming. RG says give Purdy a five million dollar bonus. He still has roommates. That's right. He lives with Nick Sakel. And by the way, just if you're not feeling good enough as a 49er fan this morning, Anthony Blakely drops this one on us. We're getting Randy Gregory. He's a game changer. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> I, mean, I, don't even about know that. I don't even know if he's a game changer, but he's another piece. And the 49ers are playing so well right now. They don't even look like a team that needs another piece. And they're about to get one. And what he looks like on this defense is going to be fascinating because it could bring out the very best in him. It's, it tends to do that for players who show up. They show up, they put on a Niner uniform, and then they have the best season of their careers. So let's see what happens. I, I can't I can't wait to see with this defense. How much better can you look? You know, I mean, if you can look a little bit better with Randy Gregory, that's great. Well, imagine, imagine if you got a Patrick Sertan. I mean, at, at this point, the Niners have to think big. The, the NFL has 32 teams, but for the 49ers, they really should be concerned with about five themselves philly dallas detroit miami buffalo kansas city everybody else you know like if you're if you're a 49er coach and you got an extra 15 minutes and you've got film to watch and you can watch any film you better be watching film of those teams because those are the teams that stand between you and the lombardi trophy and every minute counts well so as I was spending an afternoon not watching 49er football because they were saving their performance for primetime, I got to watch a lot of football yesterday, and I really watched the hell out of that Eagles and Rams game. And, Larry, I'm, I'm just saying that the, the Philadelphia Eagles are a monster, an absolute monster. I mean, they are worthy of being undefeated as much as the 49ers are. They looked tough. They dominated a fourth quarter in the way that only really good football teams dominate a fourth quarter, and – the Rams are better than anyone thought. And the Rams were in position to maybe steal a game from the Eagles. And then the Eagles just like a boa constrictor with that offensive line, which just never takes a down off. I mean, they are just 
moving piles out there. And let me just say this too about the whole brotherly shove, the tush push, all of that. Right. Any talk about outlawing that in the rule book is one of the biggest pussified cowards ways out of a problem. Stop it. Stop it. Change no rules. Change no rules. The Eagles got something. Let them do it. They're not breaking any rules. They, they Stop it. If someone can go out and stop that, stop that. But Sirianni literally calls a game differently than everyone else because he knows that third and short is a two-play scenario. Because you're always going to go for it on fourth and one with the Jalen Hurts squatting 800 pounds behind the best offensive line in football getting shoved in the back. Like anyone who says that that play needs to be outlawed, you're a bitch. I mean, I mean it. I really mean well, it. Well, I mean, first of all, the NFL before it's a sport is a TV show. And if some team at some point figures out a way to have the right combination of factors, and only did that play, they would outlaw it because it's terrible TV. And like imagine, imagine Damon, because and think about it this way: what what's the advantage of that play? You get you get a first push, but then you get a second push, and sometimes you get a third push. So what happens if on those three pushes, you averaged four yards? So it's first and ten. Now it's second and six. Now it's third and two. Now it's first and ten. Second and six. Third and two. And what if a team literally pushed, you know, did that tush push the entire length of the field? Played ball control. I'm not going to lie. I'd I'd have the football hard on. I I, I wouldn't. And the the ratings would be a disaster because it's terrible ball. It's terrible ball to watch. So in a so that all, that's all I'm saying in the in the grand scheme of things, if you took away all passing, all artistry, all athleticism, and just had some sumo wrestler push type situation where you just had the biggest, strongest, fattest guys, and you got some quarterback and everybody pushed everybody, the sport would not have the ratings that it has. It wouldn't have the revenue that it has, and they would outlaw it. That's all right. So here's what I would say as a head coach. Shut up. I'm not here to win a beauty pageant. I'm here to win football games. And if you're telling me I have the most, I have the equivalent of the football version of a sky hook from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I'm not going to stop shooting it. Oh, but it's not aesthetic. Go fuck yourself. I know, but I mean, it's like baseballs. Do you like, do you like the, are you a big fan of the shift? Do you like the do you like the line drive off the bat of your best hitter that lands in medium right field that's one hopped by a second baseman who throws him out at first or do you want to see that ball go to the fence and maybe a guy get a triple? I mean, I want to see the guy hit the other way, learn how to have an at bat that okay. hits them where they ain't. You know, that's a thing. Like, that's that's but, one thing. By the way, you want to talk another place where the San Francisco Giants got caught flat-footed when they outlawed the shift? It changed all of the mathematical equations that Farhan had and he never even thought of that. Like his, his math was based around beating shifts, and when the shift became outlawed, I think it changed an equation, and, and that's another place where Farhan got caught flat-footed in the athletic revolution, but we're not doing Giants baseball well, like, right you know, what? It, I mean, my point is, what if you took away all corners, all athletes, and you just had 11, 11 Michael Carters out there, 11 centers you know, you had ten centers and a and a super and and JP Mason is your is your quarterback. 
I have 11 centers in J.P. Mason. Oh, really? My defense is 10 Jerry Balls and, um, and uh, nice you know. Nice Jerry Ball reference. Nice <laughs> Jerry Ball reference. You know what I mean? Lions. I've I've got, you know, I've got the night. I've got 11, you know, guys that look like Tony Saragusa. Doesn't and we're all just going to one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. <laughs> I'm just saying it, it's there is some limits to it, but I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. And I don't I don't I'm not saying outlaw it, but I'm just saying if you carried it to its logical conclusion, if it had because we're seeing some of those plays, some of those tush push rugby scrum. I call it the rugby scrum. If some of those rugby scrum plays are producing four or five yards, that's not good. I don't know if that's a good thing. I really Fish don't. Chip says, are the Eagles just playing for nine yards? Then it's push city. They should be. They are. They should be. Yes. Yes. That is a, that is a strategic advantage that they have over the entire league why should the league have to change its rules to stop an advantage a team has when football's history is the way you take away a team's advantage is by beating it, you know, putting them in a situation. How about this? You know, the good way to stop the put the tush push. Don't let the Eagles see fourth and short. You yeah. know, how, how come we're only blaming that one play? What about no, the no, three no, plays totally, totally, you know, like, right. I don't like outlawing, strategy that works well i, I would i would like to see the niners use it actually yes more. i'd like it, to see them and 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 what i'd like to see is put take you know purdy off the field let hughes check or mccaffrey be the quarterback and get your get for your backup offensive lineman get feliciano and and zakel in the backfield as the running backs and snap it to hughes check and just Run, run up the middle. You got Banks and Burford or big guys, uh, you know, Brendel and just, just, just try it. I like to see the Niners go for it more on fourth down than they do. I really well, would. And, and, I think, and, and, I think and that's the future. If they had a, a play that worked at about 98%, I'm sure they'd run it. You know, by the way, remember Jimmy Garoppolo was great on quarterback sneaks. I don't remember anyone saying ban Garoppolo quarterback sneaking the ball. Well, effective nobody's saying ban it. What if that's all they did? What if there was no Debo? There is no Ayuk. It's just seriously. If it were the best way for them to win the game, I wouldn't hold it against them for playing <laughs> I mean, it would, like that. It'd be a terrible show, though. It'd be a right, terrible but, show. But did you win? And if every team in the league did it, it would kill the league's popularity. You, you know that. So they can't do it. They got to, they got to, well, well, you're you know, extreme. You imagine an entire every play. We every, run push push is a little bit of an extreme and it's in its no, own. Way. I know, but, but think about it. If it, it's also very safe. There's no potential for interceptions. Um, well, and the Giants got two offensive linemen hurt on the same play just a couple weeks ago. So how safe it is, I guess is to be determined, but uh, look, but I, as far as turnovers go, it's pretty safe. And if and if it did produce four yards, why the hell not? If so you had you just you literally just described the first eighty years of Big Ten football, and I'm a Big Ten guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm exactly. good. Exactly. Bo Beckler just is like, hey, I like that man. It's a four yards I, in a cloud of dust. A butthead says it's an unstoppable play. It absolutely is. You know what's good? the only thing that would stop it, and the only thing I think what would be the answer to it if if it became in vogue? You know what would be the answer? They're going to blow the whistle after the first surge. 
which is, let's be honest about this. Forward they progress. should blow the whistle after the first surge. You shouldn't be able to get a first surge and then a second surge. Then it, you know what it becomes like? It becomes like the old superstars competition on ABC, the tug of war. Have you ever seen people at a like an office picnic doing a tug of war? Yes. It's like, oh, we got the first one. Now we're gonna here we go again. We're gonna pull a little bit. You know, it's just it's just you know. Hey, it's a sellout play from the offense standpoint. The only way you're gonna you're gonna stop an entire offense is selling out to do it is to have the Mike Singletary wide-eyed leaping over the pile timed perfectly with the snap to go helmet-to-helmet collision with the quarterback before he even backs away from the center. Like, you got to sell out to stop that play. you got to sacrifice your body to do it, and you're exposing yourself to trickeration should, you know, they actually ever pull one out. Here's the thing. They're going to line up for a tush-push, and they're going to hit a tackle eligible one day. You watch it. Sirianni's cooking well, it up, man. You know, the Niners blew their opportunity. They they were going against Philly. They had lost all their quarterbacks. They should have gone tush-push in, in that playoff game as a practice. Just, guys, we're not going to call any more plays. We're just going to go McCaffrey at quarterback, tush-push, on first down, second down, third down, and fourth down, and see if we can get 10 yards. And if it worked, could you imagine if they had beaten the Eagles in Philly going nothing but tush-push? That would have been that would have been the most epic playoff story ever, ever. Oh, so it goes from being bad for TV to the most epic playoff story ever. But I'm just saying your team does it. It would be fun. It would be fun to experience. But overall, since the NFL is a TV show, sure, they'd cancel it. They'd figure out a way to. I they'd mean, they'd halt forward progress. They blow the whistle sooner. You know, be that the, kind of you know what you know what this conversation reminds me of is. How come you don't have a sumo is in the goalie? Why don't you just get a sumo goalie? The man's bigger than the net, and you you just can't get scored upon unless you give it up in the five hole. <laughs> Sounds an awful lot like the late Ralph Barbieri. It sure does. So anyways, the Eagles are a monster. I I noticed that yesterday. Uh, The Bengals felt like Jamar Chase came alive. Mixon finally got a running game going, and that helped Burrow shake himself out of his early season funk. Bengals put them back on your radar. They looked pretty good. Obviously, the ugliness of the game that was then won by the Jets in Denver was pretty, it was good TV and drama because of all the the offseason drama between those two teams. The Jets still found a way to win. Um, We should talk about that one for a second because Sean Payton put his foot in his mouth. He did. He crossed a line that he never should have crossed, and he's paying for it dearly, and he's going to continue to pay for it. And that is... He went against the grain and blamed his own. And now, guess what? In the NFL, some day, some weeks you get another team's A game. Sometimes you get their B game. Sometimes you get their C-plus game. When he talked bad about Nathaniel Hackett at the presser, he broke the code, and he guaranteed that and he, his Broncos were only going to get everybody's A game, especially from the Jets and the Jets came out hell bent to back their guy, Nathaniel Hackett, but it was a terrible decision by Sean Payton and one that's going to have long-term ramifications. I mean, every team in the league just wants to stick it 
to Sean Payton for him outing Nathan for him getting personal with Nathaniel Hackett at his introductory press conference when he didn't have to. He should have taken the high road. Everybody does. He decided, no, I'm not taking the high road. I'm gonna I'm gonna bury Nathaniel Hackett. And every coach in the league looks at that and dis and doesn't respect it. And now um, everybody's coming for Denver, and Denver can't handle everybody's A game. They're not nearly good enough. And maybe they'll continue to strip that team of its assets and pieces, and that'll come back to benefit the Niners in a weird way it already has with the Randy Gregory trade. Can't wait to see him on the field in Cleveland next week. And, Larry, as we start to see the end of today's 49er wake-up here on the horizon, brought to you by Palmetto Superfoods and their delicious, delicious acai bowls. This one's starting to melt on me. You can see the dragon fruit is starting to come on down a little bit. I should have brought a spoon down here. I could start digging into this bad boy, uh, but I will spare you the indignity of me destroying an acai bowl. No one needs to see that. But do it yourself. Scan that QR code right there. Send it to us, and we'll put it on the show next week. DBLK15. Absolutely. How about this? Anyone wants to have a video on the show next week, get yourself to Palmetto Superfoods. Give us a hot 49er take and then a big spoonful of acai, and you'll be on the show. Larry will go and play that video if you send it it to him. Um, Anyway, look, it's, it's a great time to be a 49ers fan. Um, I've never checked that box personally in my life of I am a Niners fan. I didn't grow up here, but I've been covering this team for 20 years. I am more interested in watching the Niners play their next game than I've ever been covering this team. I cannot wait to see where this goes. They are fascinating. They're entertaining. They're fun. They're overwhelming. They're likable. I saw a regular of mine earlier on Chef A, Chef Amy, saying, um, You know, Fred Warner is really handsome. Dude, Brock's pretty handsome. He's not Garoppolo handsome, but he's a good-looking guy. A lot of good-looking guys on this team. If that floats your boat, you got that going for you. Hufanga's got great hair, for goodness sakes. This is such a watchable, fun football team that I can't wait to see what they do in Cleveland. And I I think you and I are are, are in the same boat here. This Cleveland game's a red-alert game. This, this is a game that could absolutely come and get the Niners and bite them in their rear end if they're not Johnny on the spot for this one. But I have come to expect a level of preparedness and focus from this team based on what we saw against Arizona alone that I don't think they let down against Cleveland. But Cleveland's got a decent enough defense to make a day hard on everyone in this league. So Well, and they're coming off a bye. Yeah. Right? They're coming off a bye. Um, and you know, they're, they're also coming off a game where they got shellacked by the Ravens 28, three. So they now, uh, is it going to be DTR or is it going to be Deshaun Watson, uh, DTR, you know, against the Ravens in week four through three picks and was sacked four times and, and Cleveland struggled to run the ball. They, I wonder how many people know who DTR is. Why don't you say it? Dorian Thompson Robinson, the uh, rookie quarterback out of UCLA. Um, but then there's the, you know, Cleveland doesn't have Chubb. Nick Chubb's done for the year. So they're leaning on Jerome Ford, Pierre Strong, Kareem Hunt. Um, they're not quite the same team, but man, Miles Garrett. All you got to know is Miles Garrett and, and JOK, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. Um, they've got some big time guys. I mean, they just give you an idea. They, they sacked 
to Lamar three times. They hit him seven times, seven times. Three of the seven coming from Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett might be having as good or better a year than Nick Bosa. So you're going to have to deal with that guy. Um, and Trent Williams was in the locker room last night, and he was referencing big number 95. He knows what's coming. It's, it's going to be a long day. And I don't, you know, the Niners are going to have to get up emotionally for that one. Um, so, you know, especially coming on the heels of this, you know, it'll be very difficult, you would think, to get up for the Browns. But, you know, the one thing about the 49ers is they're a very professional team. Um, they don't, you know, they, they bring consistent effort and they don't lay a lot of eggs. So we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, every, every game is going to be a challenge, and this one is going to be Cleveland's uh, defensive front is absolutely real. By the way, Daz- did, DeMar- did Demarcus Lawrence play last night? I didn't hear his name once. I didn't either. Or, or um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really hear Parsons' name. Yeah. No. So th- look, this team, this team knows how to quiet loud defenses. The the Dallas Cowboys came in with the number one defense in football and they got skinned alive on national television. So if, if the 49ers are focused in their preparation and their 15 game consecutive winning streak should suggest to you that they're pretty focused right now, uh, they should win in Cleveland but Cleveland's good enough to maybe prevent that from happening. It's going to be a really interesting week running up to that game. Larry, I know that you're going to be all over it this week, as am I. Uh, I want to thank everyone for watching this morning. It means so much to both Larry and I that you've chosen us here on our YouTube channels. This simulcast is something that has grown exponentially by the week. We are thrilled to be partnered with Palmetto Superfoods. We thank Charles once again for his patronage here. We encourage everyone to go get your acai bowls. I've got a show at 11 a.m. It's not going to be a long one, Larry. We've covered an awful lot of ground here, but we will talk a little bit about the college weekend as well. But I I, I would love it if your audience, and I'm going to need your audience and your subscribers, Larry, to come on over, subscribe to Damon Bruce Plus. Help me make my 11 a.m. show one of the biggest 11 a.m. shows I have done over on Damon Bruce Plus. Hopefully a lot of people will follow me over there. I don't know if there's a conflict of interest. I don't know if you're doing anything at 11, but Larry, you shouldn't be because you were no, at the I'm... stadium until like 1.30 in the morning last night. <laughs> I'm going to take Go a rest. bed, sweetheart. Yeah, I'm going to take a little rest, uh, you know, and kind of gas up for the rest of the day. But, uh, yeah, everybody go like and subscribe over on Damon's channel. Hit that notification bell so every time he goes live, you get his content. Um, we did a phenomenal show, by the way. I would encourage all of you, if you're one of these people that has caught Damon and I each and every Monday so far, or I guess we were on a Friday once after Niner football, on this last Friday, we had one of the most fun streams that I've ever done. We started interviewing Brad Sham, the vo- longtime voice of the Cowboys dating back to the mid-70s. He's awesome. And and then we said goodbye to Brad Sham, and we talked about this matchup. And then we took video calls. And um, we took about 10 video calls, and it was just awesome. It was just awesome. All kinds of people. Virginia, Maryland, L.A., Bay Area, South Bay, North Bay, all around the country. And um, it was very cool. So check it out. And it was a it, we're, we'll do it again. We'll do a call in segment at some point as well. But, yeah, we want to thank all you guys for supporting this and joining us, because here's the bottom line. 
Damon and I are savvy enough to know that you as a consumer on a Monday morning after a 49er weekend, you have choices. That's the beauty. You have choices. You can go listen to AM sports radio. You can go listen to FM sports radio. You can go listen to any number of podcasts or YouTube channels. And, and there's a lot of options for the, for the sports consumer these days. And we're just happy that you're consuming us. Daza says, as an Aussie, it's great to see the NFL taking a play from rugby. And if the play is so unstoppable, why can't every team do it? There you go. Appreciate that comment. But, yeah, thanks to all of you guys for supporting uh, Damon's channel, my channel. Um, and what can we say? Uh, you know, uh, there was over 1,200 people in the room at one point on this show. Uh, we're two and a half hours in. We still have crusting close to 1,000 people in the room combined on our two channels. Um, so, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm loving the YouTube space. I'm loving the YouTube fans. It's brought us a younger audience. It's brought us a, a totally different audience than the older radio crowd, which we still love, obviously, uh, greatly as well. So thanks to each and every one of you for supporting the Krug Show. And, you know, here I am. I started my channel on March in March of 2022. It's now October of 2023. We have 25,000 subs, 25,000 subs, and I'm probably making more money doing this than I ever did on the radio. And I just want to say thank you to everybody um, who's um, supported this channel and supported this endeavor. And obviously nobody does it alone. Uh, my son has helped me immeasurably. The great Len Dempsey has helped me immeasurably. People like Damon, uh, my media friends have helped me immeasurably. Um, and I think this is the future. This is where there's going to be a lot more former radio people, former TV people, former writers who are coming to YouTube and are going to give you content on YouTube uh, in the decades ahead. So thank you for supporting my transition from uh, terrestrial radio to to uh, the digital platform, which is YouTube. And um, all I got to say is, you know, I'm having a ton of fun and um, getting a chance to work with people I love. So thanks to all you guys. Thanks to uh, San Bruno, Mike, who says 25 racks. Congrats. Yeah, man. Thank you. Um, Two the high society, Larry. Breaking 80s. Thank you, Larry. Love the content and the dialogue. Well, hey, you know what? Appreciate every single one. Riddy Musich, who's been with me since the beginning, he says, so killer. You guys all deserve it. You two have been putting in work for years. Um, we got this one from David Muschek. You are the BP of uh, YouTubing. Now you get paid. David Montez. Thank you, David. Uh, appreciate you. Anyway, Damon does great stuff. And the first time we streamed together, people were like, wow, man, incredible. It's like you guys have done this before. We have. And we really, <laughs> we appreciate it. And we uh, um, we respect everybody in the space and wish them nothing but success. But check us out after every um, 49er game every morning. And we're going to bring to you, hopefully, a great show. Yeah, good chips. luck to everyone, but Larry and I are coming for every blade of grass, and we're doing it together. So look That's the right. fuck out. He's Warner, I'm Greenlaw, and we're coming to hit you. <laughs> Fish and Chips says, here's a couple pounds. You'll all be replaced by AI, LOL. There we are, the, king, the king's pound. <laughs> the king's pound. We'll take it. Thank you, Fish and Chips. Larry, I have nothing to add. Your clothes was fantastic. I'm so proud of you. I'm inspired by you. Thank you for reaching your hand out and pulling me 
into this space aggressively, positively, showing me that there's a path out of radio. It's meant an awful lot to me, my family, my wife. Your son, Kevin, is a huge part of your success. He's becoming a big part of my success. He's gone out of his way to do great content for me as well. There's going to be a lot of great stuff that he plucks from this show that you and I are both posting all week long on our pages. So thanks to everyone for paying attention. We deeply appreciate it. And we hope to see you next Monday for another 49ers wake up 8 a.m. The disruption is real. And so are the 49ers. And that's where I leave you. Larry, take us out, brother. All right. Hey, you got 20 minutes to go get something to drink. Go get a pull of water and join Damon uh, on his channel, Damon Bruce Plus. I'm going to go hit the rack. Peace. Uh, uh, uh.